Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong, and I so appreciate you for being here, and I'm beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Jane Warlow. And I remember feeling that the light in my body was dimming. I could actually viscerally feel that the light was going, and I had a choice. I knew I had a choice. Was I going to choose life, or was I not going to choose life? In this episode, you are going to learn so much, but as always, I would love for you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how Jane overcame a terminal diagnosis. You heard me correctly. She was told she'd die by 2011. So that is an incredible story. Number two, how you can uncover your soul's work and integrate your calling into your business. And number three, Jane gives us some powerful questions to consider. I love questions. They unlock the entire world for you. But just a sample of some of the juicy questions we bring up. Some of them are, what do you have for the world? What does the world want from you? How might I be wrong? And what am I not saying? So all those crunchy questions are coming up in today's episode. But if you don't know Jane, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jane Warlow is a global speaker, best-selling author, and sought-after business and executive coach. She is the founder of Sacred Changemakers, a podcast and community bringing people together who want to reimagine business and make a bigger impact. She plays at the intersection between soul, business, and technology. Jane is one of the world's most exclusive business coaches and her clients are by invitation and referral only. She has worked with CEOs and and senior executives teams around the world. And despite working with millionaires and celebrities, her true passion is inspiring coaches, consultants, and change makers to become and do the extraordinary in life and business. Her clients are true change makers with a track record of success, individuals looking to raise their consciousness to play even bigger and to make a positive difference in our world by building a business that inspires the human soul. Born and raised in England, she has worked with leading organizations and individuals in the United States, Europe, Asia, Australia, and Latin America. And Jane now lives and works out of Columbus, Ohio. Guys, this is one of those humans that I met. We had an instant connection, and I think you'll find out very quickly why. But without any further ado, I'm super excited for you to listen to this incredible interview with my friend, Jane Warlow. Jane, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here, and everybody gets to spend this hour listening to your beautiful British accent. I'm so excited. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, Brandon, thank you so much. I'm actually really excited about our conversation. I think it's going to be epic. So let's get going. (laughs) Oh, it it absolutely will. And, And so one of the places that I thought would be a really fun place to start as I was listening to an interview that you did on Miracy. And one of the things that you had talked about was some of your earlier entrepreneurial ventures as, as a kid. So as I found out that you were about 14 years old when your parents owned a coffee shop um, and yeah. it eventually kind of became your responsibility. So I would love for you to maybe <laughs> share a little bit about what was going on in your life about then and how that kind of taught you about responsibility at an early age. Oh my gosh. Well, my mom was probably the first model of leadership I ever had, the first role model. And she was kind of like, uh, I don't know, she was she was kind of a tough cookie when it came to leadership. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she, she opened up a, a, a coffee shop and that was really, I mean, she wasn't particularly educated and this was just something she was really good at and very passionate about. But what I know now is she actually built community around this, this coffee shop and she actually ended up, that was the first of what ended up to be three. And And so, um, but the other thing she loved to do was travel and have a good time. And so when I was 14, um, I think, I think it was the summer, summer holidays from school. And she just suddenly decided that her and my dad were going to go away and they were going to leave me with my seven-year-old daughter and the keys to the coffee shop. And apparently I was just got to be there to open it up in the morning, close it down at night, take all the tills away. She taught me already how to do it. I already worked as a waitress and, Um, there I was suddenly in charge of like 50 and 60 year old women that were waitressing and doing different things. And it was, it was a trial by fire. Let me say that. But I learned very early on 
the power of owning your own business, of being in charge of your own time, of people management, things like that, to actually, you know, create experiences for people, not just transactions of, you know, here's your coffee or here's your lunch or whatever, but actually how do you connect well with people in a way that they want to keep coming back and they tell their friends. Mm -hmm. And so I actually look back on that time now as pivotal as what really started me off on my entrepreneurial journey. That's crazy. And so I, if I remember correctly in the UK, driving age is 18 here in the United That's States, right. it's, it's, it's 16. So but this was, you weren't even allowed to drive yet and you're essentially operating your nope. family business. So how did that yep. work out? Did you have to like organize some stuff? Taxes. And, and taxis okay <laughs> yeah i literally would have that so uh, i would have the list so the the kitchen the person in the kitchen would give me the list i would go off to the cash and carry i don't even know if they still exist cash and carry with uh, my list i would pick up my like big trolley i would put everything onto it i would get back in the taxi cab and go all the way back which was about 30 minutes back to the town center we would unload everything into the kitchen and yeah literally and then there was other bakery and suppliers that used to deliver but the, there was some stuff that we could only get from the cash and carry so I literally had to do it by taxi and I had to take my sister to school through to the taxi as well and then get myself to school because I didn't have time to get on the school bus because I was mm. opening the the store and everything so yeah, it was crazy That's... and in these days let me just say for anybody listening in these days I think somebody would have called social services but in those <laughs> days it was kind of okay <laughs> Oh man, I so I I want to I want to fast forward to to much later, but I want to ask one other thing before we depart from this. Yeah. Was this like something that was overwhelming for you at the time, or did you just kind of like this is what normal sixteen year olds are doing? Like, did you view this as anything out of the ordinary, or you just kind of adapted and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do? I just kind of adapted and I was like, mm. oh, okay, this is what, I'm a people pleaser brand and you need to know sure. that. So if somebody asked something of me, particularly my mom, I was like, okay, I didn't really have a choice in the matter. This was what was going to happen. So rather than resist it, I was just going to carry on and make the best of it. But I learned so much, but I didn't realize it at the time. And I have mm. to say, as the years went on, this continued every summer and every holiday, even through college. And by the time I was in college, I was getting a bit sick of it, if I'm honest. But yeah, I, I didn't I realize see... how much I was learning. <laughs> I can definitely see you. Okay. There's something wrong in this equation. I probably should, you should probably hire an official manager here, mom, so you can go on vacation and I'm going to enjoy right. my vacations too. Right. <laughs> I love that. So, so let's fast forward. I know you've been on one heck of a journey, both in your personal life and in your entrepreneurial life. And one of the things I would love to tie into this conversation is that marriage between your, you know, your purpose and your businesses as well. But I, I thought it would be another really great illustration to show uh, this journey you've been on by talking about what happened to you in 2001. So your son, your son, Jacob is born. Talk a little bit about the the aftermath and what happened there and kind of some of the insights that happened as a result of that period of your life. Yeah, so that was a major kind of milestone for me in my life as well as in my business because I gave birth to Jacob and suffered a massive medical injury that kind of uh, put me bedridden and in a wheelchair for it was almost four years. And um, during that time, uh, the, I presented with a medical injury and I was misdiagnosed for years. So by the time the medical profession got me and I was diagnosed, I had a number of kind of issues on top of other issues. And uh, there was no real research that they could like look at to give me a great diagnosis or a great treatment plan. And so it was a lot of trial and error and I had numerous surgeries, nothing worked. Um, I ended up on morphine, like fentanyl, like lithium, all these different really like strong medications to try and help me manage the pain because mm. the reason I couldn't walk was not because anything had happened to my legs, but because the pain was so bad, my knees would just go from under me and I would just fall repeatedly. So mm. that's why I was in a wheelchair and it was a spinal cord, kidney and bladder issue. And um, basically I still manage it to this day, but you wouldn't know. But what I was told back then was that uh, I needed a, a neuromodulator in my spine. I needed my bladder taking out and basically 
they gave me 10 years from the date of the original injury, which would have put my death at 2011. And I really believe that if I'd listened and I'd believed that story to this day, I wouldn't be here, Brandon. Mm. Not not to say anything against the medical profession, but they they know what they know. And of course, yeah, they've done seven years in medical school or whatever. But at the end of the day, I realized it was a place where I was giving away my power, right? And this is what we do to experts in our life. And so it was a great learning journey for me that this was my body. And although this was the best they could give me, this was their story. And it didn't have to be how my story ended. That's what I believed. And so I actually, I've got a little bit of an inner rebel inside of me. And thank goodness that I do, because I'm still here because of her. But basically, uh, they told me that I couldn't get, I was on so much morphine. I was on patches as well as uh, injections, as well as oral medication. They told me it would take such a long time. They said, probably six months to a year to get you off this level. I did it in six weeks. Now, wow. I I did it with the help of my my general practitioner, my own doctor, family doctor. And uh, but basically, it was like, get me off this stuff, because I need my life back. I couldn't even read because when you are morphine at that level, your your pupils dilate, you can't even mm. focus to read. And so this was a big piece for me. And then you know, I never thought I'd get back. That's why we live in the US. That's why we initially moved to Florida because you don't live in a damp, wet climate, according to my oriental doctor that really helped me. Um, and so, you know, with this condition, so I know I need a warmer climate and through meditation, through breath work, through many different uh, explorations into what I would call or what it was known that back then as fringe medicine, mm. I really put together a team that helped me come back to life really. And then going back to work, of course, it was like walking into the living dead. And I was already on a spiritual path myself, but I never thought the worlds would come together. I never thought they would meet. I never thought everything I knew about business from business school, business strategy, all of that and leadership would come together with like, you know, energy and all the invisible aspects of life. Mm. And so when I went back into uh, one of my clients uh, after well, I, I was still in the UK living, but I was coming back to life. And um, I, I walked into this open plan office and I am not joking. I had a fight or flight response. I just wanted to get out of there as quick as mm. I could, mainly because the energy was just draining from me. And it, it made me look at organizations in a different way to say, where is the life force? How are we harnessing the energy of the organization? Where's the vitality you know, beyond the transactions inside of organizational life. And quite honestly, at that time, you know, it, particularly in this organization, I, I just couldn't see it. And so that's when I knew my worlds had to come together. And that's what started the body of work called that's now called Resonance, where I do work with leaders. I do work with senior teams. We do work with the invisible. We do harness that. And no, it's not freaking woo. It's mainstream. Mm. And it's what we all do without even thinking about it. So, mm. yeah. There's so much gold there. Um, and I would love to dive into the resonant stuff, but before we get there, and one of, one of my favorite quotes, by the way, is by Carl Jung, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And I think that there is so much yeah. to the stuff that we can't see or can't label because it's not even a part of our right. conscious awareness and therefore we can't do anything with it. But I want to want to back up just a little bit before we get there because you, you shared so many empowering things. The The first was that, one of my core values I, I say is conscious storytelling, right? Because at any given time, we have the opportunity to tell the disempowering story. We have the power to tell the empowering story. And as you were talking, it reminded me of another guest that I've had on the show, Hal Elrod for the Miracle Morning. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he died mm -hmm. like in a car accident and then had cancer. And that was, he kind of came to the same conclusion of you. It's like, I can choose to create a story that's going to empower me to push through this instead of what most people would probably assume is like the disempowering story. And you're just cells to say, okay, sounds good. I'm going to start to die because that's what you're, you're telling right. me. And I think that's super, super powerful. I, there was one story that I didn't want to miss that I, that I had kind of heard was like a turning point for you that I thought was just so beautiful as you shared before, it was kind of like this shortly, this happened shortly after the birth of your son, uh, Jacob. And there was a story that you had told about Jacob actually in, in a bookstore. And, uh, so oh, yeah. I would love for you to share what that was. Cause I thought that was really beautiful. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was a major turning point. So I love books. And uh, one of the things I used to do with all my kids, because I've got three children, uh, two daughters before Jacob, we on a Saturday morning, we used to go to Waterstones in the UK. It's a it's a, a national bookstore, a bit like Barnes and Noble here in the US. Um, and the kids would go and read books and we'd sit in the kids corner and all of that. And when after I got ill, Nick, my husband decided we continue to do this with Jacob, because obviously I wasn't having a lot of contact with him. So he used to put Jacob on my lap and we used to go to the bookstore and Jacob was into Thomas the Tank Engine and every week he would bring home a Thomas the Tank Engine book and this week he decided there was a promotion on by the uh, cash register now I don't remember this this is my my husband telling me this story I remember little bits but not enough to tell the story coherently and uh, that's how drugged up I was and um Jacob apparently loved this this uh, promotional piece near the the cash register because it had a rainbow on it, right? And um, and he picked up the book and he just brought it to my lap and 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 so I wasn't very able to like read or anything and apparently I wasn't really with it. But then he he ran off to Thomas the Tank Engine and then Nick said, "What book would you like to take home today?" Thinking he'd pick up the Thomas the Tank Engine book that he'd been reading, and Jacob said, "No, I want the rainbow book." And Nick said to him why do you want the rainbow book and he said well it's not for me it's for mommy and so this was and this sat on my bedside table I don't know how long and because we used to do my husband also used to bring him in at night time to do his bedtime story with mommy because I really wasn't around a lot I was in and out of hospital so much and um, so when I was there we would do bedtime story and then one evening, Jacob requested the rainbow book. And that's how I started to read Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. Mm. And something in there, I think at a subconscious level, really inspired me like a catalyst that this doesn't have to be this way, Jane. And I already had a background in psychology. And, you know, and I was like, okay, so maybe it was just like this little, little light shining somewhere in my unconscious that I knew if I invested in it, maybe it would it would grow. Maybe this wasn't how my story had to end. And so, you know, I really do thank Louise Hay for writing that book and for Jacob for not only being the person that brought me the injury in the first place, and he is an old soul, he's 21 now, but he is an old soul, but also for being the person that actually put me on this path that is mm. kind of, it feels like a holistic path. I would say I was already on a spiritual journey beforehand, already on a sacred path, but what I hadn't done was brought in the whole of my life and my career and my business into that space. And now, thankfully, that is all integrated in a way that I never thought it would be. Mm. So yeah, it's very That's powerful. crazy. I got I got chills just because it's like <laughs> he had, I mean, your, how old was your son at that time when he handed you that book? He was he was about 18, 18 months old. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah, so not it's like, very old. There, obviously, there was like some kind of uh, inspiration or some, you know, like you can't ignore the fact that he plopped that book in your hands of all the other books that could have been no. out there. And for those that aren't familiar with Louise Hayes' work, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you you literally couldn't have picked a better book. And so that's really cool that that came full <laughs> circle that he he gave that to you. So let's let's go back to where we were before we, we dove into that story. You were kind of sharing a little bit about um, energy, right? And like the, 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 it's not woo woo, right? It's just, I think people's tendency is that if you can't see it, it's woo woo. <laughs> but I think the funny thing is that it's almost become part of the cultural dialogue because people will say, oh, I don't like that person's vibe. And what are you, what are you really saying when you say you don't like someone's vibe? It's you, you that the energies yeah. are off, right? Exactly. So I would love for you to maybe like break it down for us. I know this is a huge part of your work, but maybe expand on a little bit when we're talking about energy in corporations and in your business, what you mean when you're talking about energy and resonance. Yeah. And I love, Brandon, that you just brought up the biggest objection that I hear all the time from people, particularly in organizational life from leaders, that is, you know, it's it's invisible. So why is it important? And then I start the conversation, well, culture is is invisible. So is leadership. It's invisible. We can't touch it. We can't see it. And yet we have so many strategies around this. Mm. Strategy in action is invisible. When you start to actually think about it, a lot of what makes us human and we love in life, like happiness or fulfillment, all these things are invisible to other people, but we get a visceral sense of them. It's mm. the same way with energy because we all read energy, whether we know we do it or not, consciously or subconsciously. Because if I was to just stand here and 
I mean, this is a bit stereotypical, but if I was to say, oh God, I have never been as happy as I am today. <laughs> Who would believe me? Nobody. No one. <laughs> right? Because you're reading the energy, you're not hearing the words, right? And so in communication, this is so important that we understand this, right? And so really understanding what is the, how are you showing up energetically in your life? And when I say that, I mean physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, right? We can break it down into four quadrants that we're all aware of, but how are you showing up to life? And here's something I learned on my healing journey with Jacob was this idea that I, there was a point where I was in a in a hospital bed and I could I was kind of coming in and out of consciousness and I could hear at the foot of the bed my husband Nick and the doctors talking I couldn't hear what they were saying but I knew it wasn't good I knew it was about she's dying this is not good right and I got that sense and there was a window at the side of me and the late afternoon sun was coming through onto and I'm always cold when I'm in I'm always cold anyway but I was cold in hospital more than normal and this sunlight was on on my kind of like my calves and it was heating up my feet and I remember feeling that the light in my body was dimming I could actually viscerally feel that the light was going and I had a choice I knew I had a choice was I going to choose life or was I not going to choose life right was I going to choose to just you know, the easy route in a way it felt like just, you know, the pain was overwhelming. So it was just like, let me just slide in and, and you know, just let everything go, basically. And so what was I going to choose? And I've realized from that point, obviously, I chose life, but that is a choice I make in every moment of every day that's a choice we all make when we get up in the morning what is it that gets out of bed in the morning what is it that motivates us why do we do what we do all these questions are so important and they're part of you know in a way your soul's path your calling your purpose whatever that is for you and so really these are the questions that we all need to ask ourselves because this is what energy is all about how are you showing up are you choosing life or are you choosing just to get through another day right and kind mm. of make the best of it right or are you just choosing to Oh God, like I'm on the hamster wheel. It's another grind, the daily grind. Is that how you're living your life? Because mm. it doesn't need to be that way. Because most of us think we live our life from the outside in, and we don't. We live yeah. our lives from the inside out. We build our businesses from the inside out. We create our leadership. We craft our purpose from the inside out. And this is where I think our socialization and our education system have done us a, a misjustice because mm -hmm. we all think it's the other way. And actually, you know, as you start to practice, you realize that, you know, your life is what you make it to be, literally. Mm. So powerful. I'm curious, there's kind of a bunch of places in my brain when as you were talking, and it's all super, super interesting. The, the first is when we're talking about this concept, are you familiar with Dr. David Hawkins work on power versus of force? Course, I would assume. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so I haven't read the book. I know it at a surface level. So, but, but for those that aren't familiar, would you mind maybe sharing a little bit about like the different levels of resonance? Because I, I, I think for me, my interpretation is almost like when you have a level of resonance with someone, it could be a way that somebody is talking or the way that they're, they're being. It's almost like when you see oil poured into water, right? Like some, some, some energies just don't really work together. And so I'm maybe curious if you can kind of expand on this world a little bit when we're talking about energy, how we can make it a little bit more concrete about those different levels that exist in the world. Certainly. So we are all energetic beings at, at the fundamental level. We now know this through quantum physics. We are energy, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we think we're form and we live in a physical world, we are energetic beings, right? And quantum physics is starting to catch up to some of the ancient texts that has known this, of course, for centuries. So what does this mean? Well, D uh, David Hawkins talks about the fact that, you know, we everything vibrates at a certain frequency, at a certain level. And particularly, he's done a lot of work 
we did a lot of work on the vibrational frequencies of different emotions. So underneath the vibrational frequency of what he rates as 200 is all of the negative emotions, things like fear and anger and jealousy and all these different kind of negative emotions that put us into a negative spiral. Now, above 200, we have some of the, the more positive emotions like courage or joy or different elements like that. Now, how does this relate to you in your life, right? You don't have to remember what the frequency numbers are. That's not what this is about. But for example, if you're wanting a change in your life, right? I work as a coach. So one of the things that I know through David Hawkins' work is that if I have a client that comes to me, for example, and they're feeling despair, they're hopeless, they're helpless, they don't feel like they can make a difference in their life, and I'm coaching them, I know through his work that if I can get them into anger, that's a higher frequency than despair. I can't take them. I can't take them directly to joy and happiness and optimism, right? Because that's too big a leap in the frequency. But if I can take them from despair to the next level up, which is anger, if I can get them angry and frustrated about life or whatever the problem is that they're facing, if I can get them into anger, now I can get them into hope. I can get them into something that's more like where, where they can move into action and start to believe that they can make a difference in their own world, in their own life or their own business. So it's stuff like that that Dave, uh, Dr. Hawkins really brought to the forefront. Now, there are so many people that work with levels of consciousness, and I actually downloaded my own from... Uh, so I'm also a channel, a spiritual channel, uh, which opened up during Jacob's healing to a massive amount. But um, I work with nine levels of frequency and resonance. So yeah. down at the, and no, the thing to say, and here's the thing that I want people to realize is I work with nine levels of consciousness and I map it against individuals, against leaders, against businesses and organizations and all of that. But what I want you to realize is that if you're at the lower levels of consciousness, it doesn't mean you're any worse than the people at the top. It just means you live in a very different world. Mm. Why? Because it's about survival consciousness at the bottom, very bottom levels. It's all about how do I put food on the table? How do I feed my kids? Like, how can I survive? How can I build a business without going bankrupt? Everything's about survival. So that's a very different world because there's a lot of fear and anxiety and you know propensity for burnout down there. And if I just go right to the opposite, you know, you can think of the Buddha in the Bodhi tree. They live in unity consciousness up there. So that it's actually very hard to live in the modern world if you are up there. But, you know, if you're up at level eight, because I do zero, even though it's nine levels, it's zero to eight. And so ground zero is survival. And, and, and then we're socialized in through our education systems up to about level three, which is ego consciousness. Whereas, you know, I'm confident I can go out in the world. I can create a career for myself. I can find a partner. I can get married and do all these normative things that we teach each other to do. But if we go beyond that, and that's where a lot of leaders are in organizational life. It's where a lot of entrepreneurs are. They puff their chest up, they go out into the world, but what they're really masking is the insecurities underneath. So we do mm. need to heal to be to be kind of effective in our lives, not from the outside. And I'll tell you this because I've worked with so many CEOs that within their first coaching session burst into tears and tell me they may be in their mid-60s, but they've they've lived a life that their father wanted them to have or their mother mm. or their spouse, not the life they wanted to lead. So it's very important that you get a sense of who you are and what you want out of this life, right? And so that journey takes you upwards through the heart, beyond the ego, through the heart. And you'll hear a lot of people talking about heart-based businesses and heart-based leadership, up through the throat chakra, which is now you being very authentic and transparent and speaking your truth. And now you start to move into the unity consciousness, into the three levels at the very top, where you start to think, and this is the challenge for leaders today, is not just to think inside of the organization and the impact my leadership is having here and on the bottom line in the state shareholders and all that. It's not just the for profit consciousness, right, which is actually down at level three. It's actually about 
how do I go outside of the organization? Is my organization part of the problems that we're creating for humanity or is it part of the solution? And so we're into this interconnected or the beginnings of the interconnected of consciousness. Now, here's the thing you need to know. In terms of business problems, one of the things that I often talk to my clients about is, you know, like the usual, who's your client? Who are you targeting? Who's your ideal client, right? That conversation. But I look at it in terms of consciousness. Where are they? What do they believe? What are their emotions? What do they want out of life? Because what you've got to realize is at every level of consciousness, it's a very different world that people live in. So mm -hmm. resonance is understanding where you are and where you live and what really matters most to you. And then if you're in business, understanding where your clients are, what mm -hmm. matters most to them and being able to build that bridge from where they are to where they want to be. And, mm. and you then create a transformational path, if you like, especially if you're a change maker, to actually help them go from where they are today to ideally the life they would like to be. So Brandon, you are a change maker because you are trying to help expand people's consciousness and help to take them on a path of purpose from where they are today to a, a life that is much more happy and fulfilling and meaningful for them. And that's where the levels come in because you're actually expanding their consciousness. <laughs> oh man. Well, first of all, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And there's, there's so much there, so many parallels. First of all, I, I had to search this because before I, before I misspoke, have you ever played, do you ever play shoots and ladders before? Is that a game that you played growing up in the UK or do, are you familiar in with it? In the UK no? it's called snakes and ladders. So okay. Yes. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Cause that was what popped, that's what popped into my head. It's like, it's almost like a game of shoots and ladders, right? Like you're, you're yeah. creating like these different paths <laughs> for people. But like, in my mind, I, I'm, I, what, what popped up is I, I think there's a lot of alignment with your work from what I've seen and what you were just describing with like Maslow, right? So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like the different levels of, yeah. uh, of energy. And, and the thing that I'm really curious about is you, you had talked about before about, you gave the example of, I'm so happy right now. Like I'm, you know, like people, people, people feel that, that, and I think the key word that stuck out to me, or may, I don't know, maybe this is just how I translated it in my head is that people sense a lack of misalignment, right? There's not alignment between what you're saying and what's being communicated. And I think a lot of what you're working about, what you're helping people to do and what you're communicating is helping people to uncover the natural alignment that is them, which then helps them to expand that energy out in the world because they can see that more effectively. So I'm kind of curious if we can maybe dive into this component of, of it is like how you've been on this journey of, of going from a career to the, the, the calling work that you're doing today, but for the, the change makers that you coach and support, I would love to maybe share about some of the ways that you have uncovered for people to discover that level of alignment in them. Because I think that plays a massive role as we jump from these energies, energy levels. It really does. And, and one of the first things I want to say, because it doesn't matter how many times I say it, people never hear it, which mm. is that it's not about going from the bottom to the top in terms of consciousness. Mm. It's about the full spectrum. So when you said shoots and ladders, I think it was. That's mm -hmm. absolutely right. We have to be able to be agile enough to move and meet people where they are and mm -hmm. to be able to recognize where which different energy levels people are at. Yes. So in terms of uncovering uh, where people are, I think in many ways, you know, I'm going to say something now that you're already going to know, right? This is the key thing about energy work. We already know it at some level because it's very organic. It's very natural. And it's part of our primal mind in a way. But at the end of the day, this is about presence. And one of the, this is where I start with a lot of clients. Like people are really shocked at how not present they are in their lives, really, because one of the things that we all learn, you know, as trainers, and I remember learning this back in the late 80s, was that, you know, people, we start off in what is called uh, unconscious incompetence. That's where we start, right? We don't know what we don't know. And then we become conscious about what we don't know, which is the conscious incompetence. Then we move up to the conscious competence where, you know, just like driving a car, we're learning, but there's the gear. So in the UK, we learn on manual cars. Here's the gear shift. Here's my clutch control. Here's what I'm doing, mirror signal maneuver. And we're still doing that in our heads, right? And then we get to the place where we can be unconscious in our competence. I mean, I drive all over the place. I don't think about mirror a signal maneuver anymore so that's what this is about it's first of all do you know yourself 
because you can't take anybody further than you've gone yourself. So do you have an experience of the different levels of consciousness, what that might feel like to be in survival, to be in like ego, to be in the heart space, to be in the radical space of speaking your truth? Do you even know what your truth is? And I'll tell you one thing, Brandon, one of the first questions I ask people when I start coaching them is, what do you want, right? Very, very simple question. I can tell you 99% of people have no freaking idea. Mm. Nobody's ever asked them before. They've always just gone on this treadmill of, oh, I'm at school. I've got to do well. I've got to get a college. I've got to be a graduate. Now I'm going to, I'm going to go to a great company or I'm going to get a bit of experience and maybe I'll start my own business. But we're all on this hamster wheel of more, more, more. But why? What's it in service of? Like, how is this creating a life that you want to lead? And I'll tell you now, if you listen to everything externally, you will stay on that hamster wheel until the day you take your dying breath. And then you'll wonder, what on earth was that all about, right? Mm. So if you if we look at things like death and the dying, we know that as humans, we need relationships. We need connections. And that begins with a connection to yourself. And I would actually say, and I'm being very bold these days, that means a connection to your soul. So what is your soul? That's your essence, your truth. That's the thing that was around before anybody started socializing you or your parents started teaching you what was right and wrong. That's you at your very core. Mm. And so that's where it all begins is in that space and really understanding what this is about for you. And that isn't just something you can answer just on a question, an online questionnaire. That usually takes some sitting with yourself. Now, in the modern world, we all do everything we can to distract ourselves. So space, we need space to just be with ourselves before we try and do anything else. Because trying and doing actually take you away from your core. And remember, what's good for the soul is good for business. So it's all in service of this a bigger purpose that you can find but you don't just have one purpose either you have many purposes you have a personal purpose so I always think of business and life in terms of I and we and it so personal resonance who you're being are you being true to yourself then in the connections and the relationships in the we space you know what's that purpose for you and then in your business in the it space and the tasks and the stuff that you have to get done in life What's your purpose there? And you'll find that if you can find those three purposes, you'll actually find something in the middle that's like the center block, if you like, the crucible mm. of where these things come together. But it'll evolve over time too. Mm. Yeah. I said a Man, lot there. Man, what do you want, <laughs> right? Like there's a there's yeah. a value, a, a bomb right there, the the most simple yet difficult question to to ever ask. I, I'm curious if, you, if there's any, so let's say you're sitting with a client and you're with them in this space and you ask mm. them, what do you want? And they have that deer in headlights look, right? And and obviously you just shared a lot about it requires space. It requires yeah. time. It requires, it, it's more of an art than a science. Um, yes. And, and, and I'll, so I'm, I'm curious if you have any questions that you might encourage people to ask themselves or exercises that might be valuable for them to explore, because I'll just kind of as you're thinking about that, one thing that was super valuable for me was going back through the stories of my life, right? Like what, what are like the breadcrumbs? What are the patterns? Yeah. What are the commonalities that I'm seeing that have been present since I was conscious and, and remembering yeah. to like, what has kind of driven me now and kind of asking myself, like, if I were to kind of reconstruct from this ground up, like how, how can I create that? So all that to say, if somebody is listening to this and they're like, holy shit, I don't know what I want. <laughs> like right. I, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks <laughs> and like, go tell me to meditate. And that that's fine. And I, I, I'm going to have some space, but what are some ways that you would encourage people to go on that path of discovery or some questions or exercises that might support them on that journey? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing to say, and the first thing I would always do is go back to your childhood. What did you love to do as a mm. child? What, 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 what was it for you? Was it going out and playing or was it sitting in and reading books? Like what, what was your personality before the world shaped you? So get a sense of that first. And I think that's really important to get a handle on that. Now, it doesn't mean that, I mean, I wanted to be a doctor, but mm. it doesn't mean that I should have been a doctor because what you do is you go beneath the surface. Like, so why was it a doctor? 
character like mm. and why this and so there is actually a this is actually a psychological technique in psychotherapy which is actually just keep asking why until you drill down to the like the core thing and you know for me I I still to this day have fear I have fear that I'm going to go back to where I was but when I drill down with that that kind of why why it always comes back to fear for me like if I'm overwhelmed in my business it comes back to well you know I'm just afraid that I'm going to get ill again and I won't be able to do this work in the world something like that so this drilling down is really important and then it's to look through different lenses right mm. so you know triangulate what you what you're coming up with right which is look at it look at the different roles you play in life look at the things that are most important to you and one of the things like there's a great question and it's uh you know when you look at all the roles in your life and I do this with my clients you know like I'm, I'm a mother I'm a sister I'm a friend I'm a, an entrepreneur I'm a coach I'm all these things for different people but what's the one role that no one can ever take away from me right and there's only one, right? And mm. that role, uh, as I found it to be for me, is I'm the biological mother to three children. It doesn't matter if they hate me, they never speak to me again, nothing ever happens. I will always be the biological mother to those children. So why isn't that my number one, like, in my life? Or is it? Like, so you get to question the different roles in your life and, and what makes it more meaningful for you? What do you want from that? And what do you have to give? And there's something that I, I run, every, well, nearly every month, I run a sacred circle gathering, two phenomenal questions from the ancient wisdom traditions. And that's basically, what, what do you have for the world? Like, what's your purpose in this space? Like, what is it? And then what does the world want from you? So it's this exchange, this energetic exchange of what do I have to bring forward? What's my value in this space, in this role? And then what do I want? Because it's not just about giving. It's also about receiving. We have to have the energetic exchange taking place or else you'll just burn out if all you do mm. is give. You have to give and you have to be open to receiving. That's just the laws of the energy. And so really understanding that is very important. And triangulating through all these different roles then when you think you have it you think ah, okay you know like we love to nail it don't we as entrepreneurs mm -hmm. I've nailed it now I know what my purpose is let's go right ask yourself how might I be wrong mm. because that will give you more insights right and also ask what's missing and this is why I don't help people get, find one purpose. I help them find multiple purposes that at different times in their life, these multiple purposes will come to the fore because they're a little bit like piano keys in a way. You know, today, for example, I've had a very business-oriented day. So today my, my business and my it stuff is coming to the fore. It's all about me and my message for Sacred Changemakers. But tomorrow, it's going to be more about family and being a mom and doing different things. So it's allowing them, just like piano keys, to move up and down so that, yes, you know a little swarm of purposes, but you're being very resonant in every environment, in every relationship that you have. And you're already being intentional about how you want to show up and what matters most to you and to them. Oh my gosh, <laughs> guys. All right. So in case you are running on a treadmill or you're driving right now, or you just <laughs> want to hear it again, like those questions are so powerful. What do you have for the world? What does the world want from you? And then once you have that defined a little bit, how might I be wrong and what's missing? You know, Jane, the person that I interviewed, um, Two weeks ago uh, or something like that, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy wrote a new book with Dan Sullivan, 10X is Easier Than 2X. And yep. one of the concepts of this book is essentially at every evolution, there's a new 20% of activities that are the most effective. And what, what might have been a 20% activity for you in the past becomes an 80% as you jump to your next level. And that's one of the core premises of the book is that you need time and space to evolve. And I think yes. that these questions are so freaking hard to sit down and give yourself time to ask, right? But like, these are the, I don't, I, I mean, I would argue almost that at any jump, at any 
next level that you're, you're going in your life. Like these questions or these kinds of questions are always, always going to be relevant. And I, I just think that it's super, super powerful to have these as like almost like a, a, a check-in you're constantly asking yourself about the evolution. I love how you gave people permission that it evolves over time, right? Like this isn't something that, that you have to worry about nailing. It's just a constant evolution. I'm curious if you can share Jane, how, how has your purpose evolved? Maybe you can kind of peel back the layers and share with people about like how it's come more and more into focus for you as you've gone through your evolution and your journey. You know, it's so interesting because I think I've always had a a core thread of purpose and that has Hmm. been to kind of you know, alleviate people's suffering and really help them to live a better life. And I know it sounds, you know, very stereotypical these days with Oprah and her live your best life thing. But um, I think that's what it's always been about for me. And it's so funny because I can answer your question very simply by saying, Fear is what kept me from my core purpose, from my soul's path, Mm. right, for many years, particularly professionally as a woman and a young blonde woman in the UK, you know, working as a consultant or whatever in a man's world. I've worked in many, many male-dominated environments. And so I always felt like I had to kind of put my shoulder pads on because it was the 80s and get out there, (laughs) you know, Um, and and be kind of, you know, like as, as... I'm going to say aggressive as, as, as male leaders can be. And that was what I did for many years. But I started with a career. Then I had a business. Then I had a purpose-driven business. Now I have a calling. And mm. that's the easiest way I can describe it because it's felt a little bit like an unfolding all the time. Who knows what it's going to be next? I don't know. Maybe I'll be under a Bodhi tree somewhere. But it really is this <laughs> unfolding and this courage to speak my truth that really, I I don't think I really found it to my mid 40s. And now I'm in my mid 50s. Now it's like, it's all out there <laughs> for yeah. everybody to see. But what I've, if anybody's out there, and they've, they've got something, because it's really about what are you not saying, right? What are you not saying that you already know inside? Because we all have those things that we know. The thing about your soul and your purpose is you already know, you've just got to uncover it and then Mm. craft it into your life. But what is that that's unspoken? Because I think it was um, Jesus, actually, and I'm not particularly religious, but Jesus said, you know, if you don't give expression to what is inside of you, it will kill you. And if Mm. you do give expression to it, then it will make you, basically. And so the unexpressed life, I think, is a life that none of us want to lead. So really getting into that core, so very important so that you can express what's already within. And that's why it keeps evolving because life is emergent, right? It's not like some recipe for success that you can just follow these 10 steps and then you'll have a great life. That's not what it is because your level of consciousness changes. You change, you evolve. I'm very different now than I was in my 40s or my 30s or my 20s, right? I'm a different human being because I live in a different world because my consciousness is expanding all the time. And I do want to say one thing from what you said. I want to let everybody know, if you only take one thing away from this, make it be this. Your purpose, your soul, your essence is not something that you can figure out right? Mm. It's not a head thing, right? Mm. It actually emerges from within. And it also emerges from outside of you in your life. Your life is already orchestrating and matching and mirroring whatever's going on on the inside, right? So basically what you, because you're creating your life. So you need to surrender This is why you need space, not because you're going to have space to figure it out, but because you're going to have space to listen, listen deeply within, listen deeply to the signs that are coming in your life. Life will show you the way if you allow it to. So many of us are in resistance. So I've got to go and do this or I've got to file my taxes. I'm not saying don't file your taxes, but, you know, there's all this stuff that we've got to do. I hear it in the language of my clients all the time. Have to, got to, should, trying to right? Watch your language because your language creates your world. So Mm. just be aware of how you speak about who you are and what you do, because that will give you so many signposts to what you're resisting. And one of the inquiries I'm living into at the moment, which is what I suggest everybody does, is have a question, live into it, lean into it. And one of my inquiries is, how do I lead a life without any resistance? Mm. I haven't got the answer. I have no idea, but I'm interested because I notice how much resistance comes up 
Mm. That's how you expand your consciousness because it starts with awareness, right? That's the beginning of all resonance. What are you aware of and what are you not aware of, right? Oh man, like there was such mastery in that question and the way that you framed that question. Cause it's like, you're, you're, you're obviously someone that pays close attention to how your body and energy reacts to something entering Mm -hmm. your, your consciousness. That question in and of itself is, is causing you to go deeper and listen more. And, and also anybody that's interested in expanding this, uh, a little bit more, I interviewed Robert Tennyson Stevens, who wrote the book conscious language. And I think that's a really, really great resource Mm -hmm. because it's not only the external language that you're using, but it's obviously like the internal language that we're using that, that, mm-hmm. that has that, which is, oh man. So there's, there's, there's two different places that my, I was, I was thinking that we could go and I'll, maybe I'll let you choose your, your adventure here, Jane, because <laughs> like, because one of the things that popped up is I know in, in your book, you have this book called the 10 day coaches MBA, the small business book for coaches who want to play bigger. One of the things that you talked about that I think is a parallel to what we've been talking about so far is um, I, I highlighted this. Most coaches don't know what their clients want. They don't know how to communicate their value. And there's a disconnect between what coaches think is quality and what clients perceive as quality. So we've been talking a lot about like, what do we want? But then when we serve people, they're not clear on what they want too, which creates a whole nother dynamic of, of issues. So that's, that's door number one. <laughs> okay. Door number two, door number two is I think it's also a huge build on this conversation we've been having about listening to your body, about understanding and how I'm being able to kind of resonate and, and lean in deeper almost as you already are and how do you turn your body into a dashboard um, that becomes a tool for uh, understanding more about yourself and those internal dialogues and then adjusting from there so <laughs> there's two big topics but I, I can't I can't pick so maybe you pick one <laughs> okay so in the true style of quantum physics I'm going to go through both doors okay sweet <laughs> let's do it <laughs> right so let's start with the body because the body never lies and you need to realize that your mind lies a lot to you right? Mm. So if you're ever looking for truth, you need to check in with the body and listen Mm. there, right? And this is so important if you're in business, because what a lot of people don't realize is that your, your business is really the bridge in a way. It's the vehicle that connects you to your clients, So listening is very important here too. Now, of course, there are tons of theories and, you know, recipes for success that you can follow in business. And I I would say, listen to your body when you're learning anything new. And I think I say at the beginning of my book, which is I've got a lot of stuff to say about a lot of things, right? But if it doesn't resonate for you, let it go leave it behind. Right. And so when you're in this space of like trying to work out, how do I create a successful business? Right. How do I connect with my clients? How do I resonate with my clients? Right. Um, It's really starting to look at listening to yourself is the beginning, listening to your body, but also really understanding your clients at a different level than what we would normally talk about. I'm not Mm. just talking about the transactional level, you know, that you can see online, they clicked on this, they did that, they converted here, all of that equations. That's useful, but that's data, right? Mm. And data has a place, it's part of the equation. But then what about the intuition? What about your body? What about your gut? What is that telling you about what it is that you need to do? Where are you feeling called? What are you feeling called to do? right? What's that? What's the thing that's pulling you, right? And now this could be as easy as, um, you know, an item on your to-do list or something that you want to improve on your podcast or whatever it is, maybe you're going to start a podcast, but really go deep down into your body and work out what is it that I really want? We're back to that question. What is it that I really want? You need to know the answer to that because then you need to know the answer to what is it that they really want? Because people buy emotionally, not objectively. So you need to give them what they want, no doubt about it. One of the things we talk about in coaching is we we sell them what they want. And then when they come in, we give them what they need, right? Mm-hmm. This is like a, everybody talks about this and it's true. And right. Cause we have always got, we always polarize the world. We can either do this or we can do this. No, we can do yes. And mm. so at the same time, right. As, as working out, what is it that they want and what is it that they need? We need to give them both. Right. So we need to know both. We need to understand 
I'm going to come back to the level of consciousness that they're at, because that will tell you their language, their beliefs, their emotions, where they get triggered, what their shadow is, what their challenge is. It will tell you all these different elements. So if you understand that, you understand more than they do about themselves. And one of the things we know in terms of things like sales is if you can give people an insight into their problems that they didn't have before they started talking to you, then they're going to want to work with you, right? You don't need to sell hmm. anything because you're already showing them the expansion of being in relationship with you. So particularly if you're in a service-based business, this works really well. So understanding them, understanding yourself, and then building your business as the vehicle that is the bridge between the two and being agile, right? through the different levels so very important now i hope i haven't been too abstract there did that make sense brandon no that was i was just marveling at the mastery of that of, of you not <laughs> only teaching about yes and but answering two questions simultaneously at the same time that you did that that was like jedi master ninja level right there that was so cool to just experience you answering two different questions simultaneously so that was that was really freaking cool and i think that it's it's, it's really really powerful it just goes back to like i think we make lots of these concepts more complex that they need to yes. be right but it's like absolutely what what i'm hearing and what you're saying it's like it's all down to different levels of listening it's listening to your level of energy your level of alignment the people that you're serving their level of energy and their level of alignment and then how you can effectively bridge the gap between those two things um to make can sure i that share something then because yeah, yeah, what absolutely. you're actually tipping into now is resonance the mm. ability to resonance is four things it's awareness that starts off internally and then it's alignment, which is now starting to, are you aligned? Are, just on a very simple level, are you saying what you believe or are you bending yourself like a pretzel because some thought leader has told you this is what you've got mm. to do in your business, right? So you've got to be true to you because we don't want to work with anybody who's not awake and aware, right? Mm. So that's number one, awareness. Number two is alignment. So this alignment. Then number three, we go outside now to attune. Are you attuned to your audience, to your clients? That vibration that's going out, are you showing up as you want to show up, right? Are you Who are you becoming in doing whatever it is you're doing, right? Who are you being in that space, in that relationship? And then the final thing is integration, which brings us right back to the body and the somatics. That's the integration of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Here's why this is so important. When I've worked with top performing leaders or entrepreneurs, the thing that derails them more than anything is always personal. It's always the emotion. It's always that that derails them. So if you're not in alignment first and you're just doing what you think you should do, it's not sustainable, right? It's mm. just not, right? Because you will always come back to what matters most to you. You will always bring your life back to what matters most. And that's mm. where we got, we've got so much overwhelm and burnout and anxiety and suicidal ideation in the world today, because most of us are having to bend ourselves like a pretzel into an organizational role that quite frankly is not human. Mm. So that's why I, I take a stand for bringing the soul and the humanity back into business. So beautiful. And I think this goes back to the very beginning when we were talking about the invisible, right? Like these are questions that yeah. you're not even aware that you should be asking yourself, but by putting yourself in a space where you can allow that to come through, you know, it's kind of what you were talking about before. It's like, we're not finding something, we're discovering something. Another one of my quotes is that I say all the time is I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Yeah. It's Michelangelo, right? So it's like, we're all on this journey of pulling out that more authentic version of us and, you know, go look at a kid, <laughs> like go look at a baby and like they're, they're everything, which is so, yeah. so freaking cool. So, oh man, Jane, we, this has been so much fun. I can't believe an hour has flown by since we <laughs> we, we started recording. Um, but I, I would love to ask uh, a question that I love to ask all of my guests when I get a chance, and then we can find out more about the incredible stuff that you're up to and where people can find out more. But the question I love asking is what does happiness mean to you today, Jane? What is your definition mm -hmm. of what happiness means you know i think it's uh two things both include freedom the first is freedom of choice so that's why i do everything that i do for myself and for others is so that we can have more freedom of choice in our lives and the second thing would be freedom to just be myself mm. yeah in beautiful. this world yeah beautiful Won't that's add happiness yeah, won't add anything to that besides 
talk to us a little bit about sacred change makers. I know there's another podcast that people can go listen to. Where would you encourage people if they are picking up on all the the beauty and the knowledge bombs that you dropped today, where would you like to people to continue to explore? Yeah, so um, go to sacredchangemakers.com. Um, like Brandon said, we do have a podcast where we are platforming conversations of people who are doing business for good um, because we're still, uh, I think that the media tries to tell us that business is a certain way. And I'm really an advocate for rethinking and reimagining business so that it can not only be profitable, but it can also be a, a, a lever for change in our world. It, and I do believe that those of us that are leaders today, not just positional leadership, but I think leadership is something that we're all being called to because, of course, we live in times of existential crisis and humanity needs us. So that's what we're about as Sacred Changemakers. Um, everything's on the website there that you can see. Um, we have a number of different uh, resources. And I am, I don't know when this is going live, but we are rebranding at the moment. We've got a new website coming up with many, many more resources to really help you. Mm. And not all of them are paid either. But we are aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals because I really believe that business needs to be a force for good. And we've got to get our act together, guys, because otherwise... It'll be too late. Mm. So, so exciting. Guys, go check out sacredchangemakers.com. Or if you want to make the super simple jump, just pause myself right now. Mid-sentence is totally cool. And go <laughs> download an episode of Jane's podcast, Sacred Changemakers. And I would encourage, I listened to the episode with our mutual friend, Marusha Murphy, which I didn't know she did roller derby until I listened to your episode. <laughs> I was like, what the hell, Marusha? That is so freaking cool. So <laughs> I, I discovered a few things about Marusha then. So go check out that episode. And I also listened to episode episode 100. I think that would be a great place for people to start uh, because I know you showcase a bunch of your yeah. sacred change makers and your community sharing what it means to be a change maker. So I would encourage anybody to go check those two things out. And really just in conclusion, I want to wrap up by having a conversation with you listening. And I just want to say you could be listening to any other podcast. You could be doing so many other things, but you have chosen to invest in yourself and be hanging out with Jane and myself. And for that, I'm so, so grateful. And the, the reason why I'm so passionate about podcasting is because it's absolutely changed my life. And I know that there is something in this episode today that could absolutely transform someone's life. Just go back to the, the story that Jane talked about in 2001 of recovering from literally being told she was going to die in 2011. Like there are people that are being delivered these kind of diagnoses every single day. And like th that message alone could change someone. But think about all the other different things that we talked about, about how to figure out what you want. Like what better question is there to ask? And I think Jane gave some absolutely incredible ways of approaching that, of expanding that and leveraging the alignment that you unlock when you answer those questions to serve people at a higher level. And so, man, I'm just so grateful. And I would, I would, I would, I would appreciate it so much if you shared this with someone and uh, whether or not you share it with someone, I appreciate you hanging out with us. And this has just been so much fun. So thank you for listening. And Jane, any final things that you want to say before we wrap up today? No, I, do, I just thank you so much for the conversation. It was great. And for those of you listening, don't underestimate the power of your potential to make our world a better place because we need you right now. And I would love to see more of you doing that through your life and through your business. And it doesn't have to be huge. Just a small change can make a huge difference in someone's life. Beautiful. Thank you, Jane. I appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.